Ninth edition codex. It's coming. It's here this week. Are you ready, Mike? I am ready. I've prepared myself, body and soul, for what is to come. All right. Well, that's probably more prepared than I am. So probably. Uh, I mean, I've been practicing. <clears throat> oh, really? I heard you. T- I heard you were uh, playing around with a triple plasma forge fiend before they even got the new rules. I was, and it did better than it had any right to do. <laughs> but um, I mean, we'll, we'll get into how they are now because I'm, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to hearing all about it. That's right. It's all the rage, it's all the leaks, it's all the news, whatever you want to call it. Um, the new codex is obviously leaked out. We, j- we basically have all the rules. We have the screen grabs. We, you know, we can go through them. Uh, tonight, Mike, uh, what I thought we'd do is th- there's so much we're going to be getting into with this codex. So we're going to be doing yep. a multi-part series here. Um, we're going to be diving into stuff like the lore. We're going to be diving into crusade rules, you know, uh, building your army, talking about mission cons or, you know, army concepts, all that kind of stuff. But tonight, I think what we're really trying to do is just like, let's get the obvious stuff out of the way. Let's just start here. What's your impression so far? Do you like it? Uh, you know, I really do. It's to me, it's, it's sort of like the logical progression of the eighth edition Thousand Suns Codex into the new edition. Uh, it very much is like sort of Death Guard and Space Spring Codex in that it changes things up some, sort of streamlines certain things, but very much makes the army just do what it's supposed to do better. Uh, and I, I think that if you really look at it, that with how they've changed our detachments and the secondaries and how they've changed the psychic powers and all of that. Um, the thousand suns are going to feel more dominant in the psychic phase than ever before. Um, and we got all sorts of fun, new bells and whistles to make that happen. Yeah. They, uh, I would say they probably did the best job that I've seen since I've been playing or come back to playing 40k, uh, right before they actually, you know, made Thousand Sons a Codex. Um, yeah. This is probably the best book we've got, hands down, in my opinion. Um, and I, and I look at it. The best since Wrath of Magnus, yeah. It's, it's probably the best put together. It feels like they took their time with this right? It feels like they thought things through. There's a lot of very well-designed interactions. When you're looking at the relics, you're like, oh, I like that. And I like this. And I like this. And and like, it's like on and on and on where there's nothing that's just like, I would never use this. Or even in things like the Coruscator, which was, you know, it's not amazing now. I'm not trying to get carried away here, but at least we now have options where it's like, hey, if I want to toss that on a, an aspiring sorcerer, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, we get it. This isn't the most amazing relic. So, you know, pay a CP throw, or pay some points, put it on your aspiring sorcerer and away you go, yeah. you know? And I, I, I just think that's, that's the kind of thinking with the book that I really appreciate and that the more things that are viable, the better the book is. And I'm not expecting Thousand Suns, like I play competitively, right? So I don't expect to come out of the out of the door with them and expect to, you know, be ad mech good 
uh, DE or, you know, Jukari good, uh, sisters good. Like I look at those as, yeah, that's the bar. That's where the, the winners are right now. I don't expect my army to be that hard to beat, but I expect my army to have tools that in the right scenarios, or if I make the right decisions, I should be able to beat them. Like I should have the tools to beat that army or build my list in a way that I can actually go and take the fight to them. And I feel yeah. like this book certainly gives some options there. Um, and, and that I, I just can't, I can't think of anything really hugely negative about this book. Like I'm not disappointed in any way, shape or form. There's little things where it was like, Hey, I was hopeful we'd get a stratagem to upgrade a Hellbrute to a psyker or something like that. But you know what? They gave everything a five plus invulnerable save. Uh, that's not a, um, or basically that's not a psyker, right? So you, you, you basically have, well, it's anything that is a, uh, it's Arcana Astartes, Astartes, which is all the Psychers, or a Zengor model. It's all the Marine stuff, right? So it's yes. all your Predators and stuff like that. And that really, if you go back to one of our old episodes, I mean, that, that's one of the things we actually were suggesting when we were yeah. just kind of like spitballing stuff like, hey, they could do this. And uh, I was actually very, very happy when I opened the book and I saw, hey, all your stuff gets a five plus invuln save now. And it's kind of like, yes that's usable. It's good. It doesn't matter what happens with the meta. Like I could use this in some way for all the stuff and it's going to be good through the rest of the edition. Yeah. There were a couple of things uh, that I guess looking at it from a certain perspective uh, could be viewed negatively. Um, I, I think we could have seen this coming, but for instance, we lost some stratagems here. Um, for instance, for, uh, Demon Forge is gone. Um, however, the Demon Engines got buffed, so it's sort of a wash there. Um, but like Linebreaker Bombardment and uh, the Predator One Killshot um, also got removed. However, we got new stratagems that could potentially replace them. Um, the other thing is, of course, we pretty much had the code scrubbed of anything that has to do with summoning, either by turning things into chaos spawn or um, Magnus's staff, um, the stratagem that allows you to summon uh, Zinch demons on like 46, I think is how that worked, is gone. Um, I mean, I would agree that. Or and, would you would you agree that's for the better? Sure, I, I think that summoning was is a really cool idea that if we if the game were played differently and it was like everyone's just doing like gumdrops and rainbows narrative games all the time where no one's really that concerned about winning they just want to have like a fun game where about like throw dice at each other and drink some beers sure summoning could have worked but because of the competitive component and how poorly balanced summoning is was and still is to a certain extent uh at least in narrative uh it's best that I, I'm, I'm hoping with the de when the demons get their new codex that it just goes away uh it's not helping anybody yeah, and i mean technically it's meme lists I mean, technically, it's not gone. It's just the rules have been removed from the codex, and that yeah. doesn't mean Thousand Suns can't summon. This was a whole saga oh, yeah, we had that, with that's, the Death Guard Codex, right? Yeah, but that, that's because the rules for summoning aren't even in the this codex. They're in the freaking Demons Codex. Exactly. Um, and I guess the, the last thing that's sort of... 
I, I won't say weird, but sort of unfortunate, um, is the 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 natural ability mere servants, um, is a thing where effectively, like Death Guard, we cannot have more cultists or Bray, which Brays are regular old Zangors units, than we have Rubric Marines or Scarabical Terminator units. Not that I'm upset that you can no longer do Codex Goat, because I never really liked Zangors to begin with. However, at least Zangors sort of mechanically have a purpose in that they're still objective secured. Cultists do not get any benefits from being in a Thousand Sons army. They're not objective secured. They are not, they don't get the invuln save. Literally, they're just, well, I needed the 20 point unit or however much there are now, 40 point unit to uh, do an action. And, and I don't want to speak or put words in your mouth, but, you know, I think, I think you would probably think that the, a, a, a design for this that would be maybe less, not disappointing, but maybe, uh, you know, more optimal would be something that more incentivizes you in a certain direction, depending on the flavor of army you're playing, rather than just a rule that's just, you only get this many units. Like, you, you exactly. can't take more Zangors. Like, this is Codex Thousand Suns. This is not Codex Zangor, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually, uh, just thinking about the, the how I like to approach the game, um, I don't know if you're familiar with War Machine um, or the, the Arrival game, I know. I'm not. Uh, but the, one of the things that I actually really liked about that game is that you have, like, here are the armies. And then you pick your special character, and then that special character has, like, two to three specialists like these are their armies and so the armies are on one hand effective competitively because the game was very like competitively balanced but the armies also all make sense in regards to like this is this character these are the units they pick so i actually wrote a list a long time ago um before forge world discontinued the giant uh chaos spawn of a cult of mutation list that just took like 120 cultists and then as many like chaos spawn giant chaos spawn and mutilate vortex beasts as you can put on on the map it's like this is my army cult of mutation the entire idea is that these sorcerers turn those guys into those guys and that that was the fluff however obviously you can't do that anymore some of the models don't exist in this codex of course gets rid of that um, and so I don't really like the mere servant style rules because they are very heavy handed um, however I understand sort of why they would approach it from this direction you can lead a horse to water but you can't force it to drink um, no matter how many incentives you might have provided for a given it's like yeah. army style you can't force people, people to take you if they don't like it. And I really think at the end of the day, when you look at the new Zangor profiles that they have, so, you know, right off the bat, they're, they're weapon skill four now. So they're not hitting on threes. Um, no. They lose their fight twice stratagem. So there's that. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, they, they, they're really unchanged other than that, right? I mean, they're hitting on fours. They're, they're still T4. They still got their five five up in Von save mm-hmm. and 
you know, respectfully, they actually can do some stuff, but they lose access to something like Veterans of the Long War, like they had. Um, now it's now it's named something different, which off the top of my head, I can't remember. Um, we'll get to the renaming of stuff in a minute, but um, <laughs> the, the with Zangors, I think you can still have them in your army and they'll do fine. You know, you can still yeah. have a big, a big blood, the gores and with the strat that lets you reroll all the hits with them. Okay. I mean, you've just got so many attacks with them. That's going to be pretty effective. Yeah. Uh, I just think at the end of the day, like, I, I think I agree with you that I would have liked to have seen more of a purpose than, oh yeah, they're there, but they're kind of like the lesser version of the codex and you can't take that many of them. You can only kind of bring them. Um, and yeah. I guess, I don't know, maybe the incentive is just steering away from what the Thousand Suns 8th edition codex was at the onset, which was just Rubric Marines got into such a bad spot that everybody just took Zangors. And now it's kind of like we're forced into having to have Rubric Marines or Scarab Occult Terminators. And, you know, for for better or worse, like that is what the army has to run now. So yeah. you know, it's, in all fairness, it's worked at Death Guard. The writing was on the wall. They did the same thing with Poxwalkers and, and Cultists there. Um, it's worked out pretty good for them. Death Guard is a pretty solid codex and, and they yeah. do pretty well on the competitive scene. They, they're, they're, they bat very, very consistently. They're not winning events, but they're, they're batting very consistently. They, they are not an easy match when you go into it. So I, you know, I, I kind of look at that and say, you know what? It seems like it's a good formula. I got to have some faith with it and that it'll be a good formula going forward. You also can't just have everything the way perfectly that you want it because obviously we didn't write the codex, so it wouldn't be that way. But uh, to be fair, there's just, there's a ton of stuff in here that's just fantastic. Um, so the fact that Scarab Occult Terminators are objective secured now is just bonkers to me. That's exactly like, where I was going what? and it's amazing. That is just yeah. amazing. We're, are we the only ones now with uh, objective secure terminators? At least permit just built into their rules. That's what they are. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, it's possible, and I don't mean armies that take terminators as troops. I mean that yeah. that obviously. I think there. I think Death Watch can do some kill team stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know whether those are elites or troops. I, I again just spitball in there, but. Um, I think it's very, very cool that they're they're objective secure. That makes a huge difference to our footprint, and it really helps considering the cost. Um, you know, Rubric Marines going up a wound, uh, Scarab Coat Terminators going up a wound. Um, you're going to pay for that a little bit, right? So they're forty points a model for the Terminators, and we're what 20, 21 points a model for the Rubric. So we're at about yeah. one oh. I think it's like one oh five for a squad of five. Yeah, for a bolt of Rubrics. Yeah. So that's okay. I can live with that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess a good segue into the cabal system, like they fixed the icon because the icon has a purpose now. And I, I I'm looking up and down at all these weapon upgrades and these options you can take. And there's, there doesn't seem to be anything that sticks out to me where it's just like, I don't know why I wouldn't, I would take that, you know, or you think about like, there's always been books that come out and you look at stuff and it's kind of like, there's just no reason for me to take that. Or so, for example, the Bale Flamer on the Helldrake, uh, the pre eighth edition Helldrake or pre ninth edition version of the Helldrake that we have now. I'm talking the yeah. version that Chaos Space Marines currently runs, the the iteration we've known for a long time. 
it's it's like what cheaper to take the bale flamer than it is to take the hades auto cannon on the thing and it's kind of like why would i do that like i'm moving the thing all over the mm-hmm. place and i'm only taking four shots with the and then i gotta roll the hit and it's only a four up you know ballistic skill on the thing so yeah. it's kind of, you know it's kind of it's situations like that where you look at it and you go why would i ever do that well at least what i'm seeing and all the stuff so far is very few instances where yeah i don't I don't think I would ever take that. You know, there's stuff that I I'm probably not going to opt for first, or there's things that I'm going to gravitate to, but there's very little where it's just like, you know, if someone shows up with them, I'm not going, you know, there's a much better option than taking what you're taking. It's okay. I can see what you're doing there. You know, there's, there's something you can build with. You can, you can formulate, you know, some kind of solution with, with them. And I think that's a, to me, that screams that this is a very good book. The, the options yeah. are viable. Uh, you know, everything has some kind of instance where it becomes applicable in the game. Except for cultists. Well, you say that, but they changed Weaver of Fate to just a flat-up four-up invulm. Sure, sure. And I, th- <laughs> I do think it's very tempting to take just one big squad of cultists and you know, sit them somewhere and do actions and give them a four-up invuln and go, hey, you know what? Chew through 140 points worth of cultists on a four-up invuln to stop me from scoring. You know, that's... Sure. It's not impossible, but... It, it, it wouldn't be my first choice. I'll just, I'll just leave it at uh, that. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so... Maybe we should uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the cabal points because that's that's kind of the big thing, right? The, the... I mean, that or legion command because that's the other like new thing. Well, we talked about the fact that we had the five up invul, right? And so we probably yeah. should just round that off. We also and get plus, plus one, one to tests. tests. Yeah. yeah. Now we lose, we lose, but we don't lose the six inch extension to our range yeah. because what they did is they just basically baked that into all the psychic powers now, which to me is just that's fantastic. That. To me, that's kind of like, okay, the first time we rolled the codex out, this is what we got. It was great. You're using shared powers. You know, Now we've gone and it's kind of like, okay, a Thousand Suns are now starting to get their own image and their own identity kind of established here. And they're going to have their own psychic trees, um, which have their own ranges. And some of these ranges are fantastic. Some of them are like 30 inches, some of them are 24, you know, some, and we've got all sorts of tools to like ignore line of sight, kind of, you know, yeah. I... I'm just giddy over all that stuff, but I think the plus one cast across the board is fantastic, especially when you consider the fact that the Rubric Marine and Terminators no longer have baby smites. It's pretty big, although we also no longer ignore the plus one to cast for every successive smite. And that that's a so, fair trade off, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. That's a that's a fair trade. Like I think what, if you're going to say, hey, we don't get free smites getting free smites probably needed that limit in there on some of that stuff, but now yeah. sure. Um, so it was actually was interesting reading through the books, just sort of looking at the various um, cults and then looking at the psychic powers. They did a very, actually, I would say decent job of, they actually nerfed a couple of things. Um, Duplicity, I think took a hit. Um, Cult of Magic also took it like they changed the the trait there, and the psychic powers. If you like, actually like compare them to some of the what they were originally, 
they actually nerfed some of those as well. But they also tuned up a lot of the previous um, cults and the psychic powers to actually make them viable, which I think again goes back toward a long ways towards actually making it very rare in this codex. Just like, man, why would you take that? That is garbage. Yeah. It, Magnus is a really good example where they modified his oh, smite, man. where it used to be 2d6, but now it's 3d3. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, you lowered the ceiling a little bit, but you've raised the floor. So now I'm not rolling like a three right off the bat now, you know, like I've got to really roll bad uh, to get a three or there or something like that. But even then you have options where you can actually re-roll that damage. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about Magnus though, the dude knows 19 powers now. Like, yeah. What in the, like, that's some straight up like end times uh, Nagash He's, level of just like, I am the God of magic. But he is. He is. And he has done nothing wrong. Like this, this is him. This is how Magnus should be. He should know all those powers because that is what he does. Yeah. They um, actually did a good job selecting his three world War traits. They um, solve a lot of the problems that we've traditionally had with Magnus. The fact that he has the baked in minus one damage, he knows every power and can reroll deny the witch tests it's just i think it's all great i i, I definitely do i think the minus one <sighs> to damage knows all the powers yeah i heard just sigh there but here it comes i don't think we're gonna see magnus on the table yeah i, I think with all those things he's got he's still very vulnerable and sure the game has become we we've shrunk the game to five rounds so to, to save Magnus in some cases, you will still have to strategic reserve him. And to do that, you know, okay, now you're spending three CP in an army that when you're looking at how they function, you're going to need command points. Um, and you're also, you're limiting what Magnus can do for basic, like he's non-existent for the whole first battle round. And in a lot of games, that first battle round is the most important round that just sets the tone for the rest of the game. So you're taking a 450-point model or so. Correct. 450. And just setting them aside for the, for the chunk of the game. So you're basically already kind of basically putting one arm behind your back when you take Magnus, and you're going to play the first round against like a serious army that can that – can, I mean, they will have no problem taking him off the battlefield. Sure. Um, eradicators, you know, the chicken walkers, you know, all there's enough good shooting right now that he just, he can't with his uh, psychic powers and all that stuff stand up uh, to that firepower just on the board. So you have to start him in reserve. He's not Mortarian where he's just tanky as all hell. Um, so I think that's kind of problem A and problem B is kind of more of a, a matter of the meta. And I guess, I guess what I was saying before is still part of the meta, but I think at all times there's always armies you run into that can shoot that good. Even when we have maybe horde based armies that are out there, which, you know, orcs are around the corner. And I think that's, sure. that's going to start to become a factor. Um, Magnus didn't get a sweeping attack. Uh, can he fall back? Sure. But he can't, I don't believe he can fall back and cast psychic powers. Right. Uh, no, I don't. 
I don't think yeah. he got the uh, the. And even then, uh, Aether Stride I think doesn't let you. It doesn't let no. you fall back and cast powers, but it lets you fall back and and advance. Or you can advance and charge. You can fall back. You can charge, and you can right. move as you can fly. So it wouldn't do him all that kind of all that much. But, um, you know, you, you're you're really he he doesn't benefit from a cult still. Uh, so you're you're kind of he he can be tar pitted, and you, you know if you don't know what that means, it's basically. A good example is, you know, I've had Magnus come in from strategic reserves and I'm like, all right, here we go. And all my opponent does is just trap him in combat every turn. And he just traps it with something that's either just enough wounds that it can't kill it uh, or just enough bodies that he can't kill them all in a round of attacks. Um, and it keeps him in combat. And once he keeps him in combat, then the whole next turn, it's kind of like, well, Magnus is now effectively removed from the game. And that's kind of that's kind of the problem I see where I want him to be on the table and I want to put him to work, but you know, unless we're playing, you know, back into like a night meta or something like that, I, I just don't, I don't know, Mike, so, I, I don't bring, see. So you'll notice I've never brought Magnus to any game I've ever played uh, because bringing Magnus has always been a like high risk, high reward type venture. Either your opponent has enough to kill him first turn and deny him the ability to do anything, or they don't, and then Magnus does pretty good work. Yes. Um, and that's just the way it's always been, as long as Thousand Sons has been a single army, and we've had bad news. Um, the big and thing is... They, and he's really good him, when... He, he, sorry, he's really good when your opponent has Primarchs as well. Yeah. Like, he is the Primarch killer, hands down. But that's not really that big of a thing right now. Yeah. So I think there are definitely metas where Magnus can shine. I don't think the current, like, I go first, I shoot you off the table, the Dark Eldar work, um, Admech armies are a good meta for Magnus, obviously. Um, But with the all of the buffs they've given him, the like the codex has changed around him, so he no longer has a couple of the defensive tools. But what he gained just from this new codex immediately made him much more worthwhile, at least in my eyes. Whereas previously, I would never have taken, never ever, ever. I had the option to take Magnus this last week, and I'd, I'd rather take Cipher and fifteen chosen. And take Magnus as he is in the old codex. <laughs> that was that was an interesting choice, and we'll gloss over that for now. <laughs> that I'll just I'll just say that uh, you know I, I'm I'm being I'm trying to be fair here in that I don't think that Magnus is bad. I, I think he's got a profile and a purpose for a different time, like a yeah. different a different set of lists that we're seeing. And when the time comes, he'll be the kind of option that you can start putting on the table, but. I think that's kind of the unfortunate thing. And I think kind of a trap that people will fall into right now and say, well, Magnus sucks. No, I don't think Magnus sucks. I think he actually is pretty good. And, and the tools that you can use, oh, him, yeah. I, I definitely want to put him to work because you, you, I mean, like you said, he's the kind of gamble that you can take, but that when you can put him on there and let him do what he does, it's beautiful. I mean, he will just absolutely wreck shop. Um, but that's just not the time we're in at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. So, 
So, so I guess circling back to Kabbal, uh, the, the Kabbalistic rituals or the Kabbal rituals, um, it's, a, these, it's a good system. It's a these good are interesting. system. Yeah. Yeah. The um, obviously, so Death Guard, they got their like um, contagions. So the way the contagions work, for anyone who doesn't know, is the longer the game goes by, the larger the area of effect of this contagion aura becomes. So effectively, it's kind of worthless turn one, but by the time you get to turn four and five, you're, if you have enough guys left, you can literally cover the entire map with stuff like minus one toughness and stuff like that. Ours works the exact opposite, it seems like. So uh, the, the way it works is pretty cool, I thought, is your sort uh, psychers generate cabal points. The more powerful the psyker, the more points they generate. And then during the psychic phase, you can spend cabal points once per unit. And I think don't think you can use the same cabal ritual twice. Um, barring uh, some strategy. Yes. Um, I, think, I think there's ways around that, but yes. Yeah. Uh, to modify your psychic t- phase. So, for instance, there's actually one I thought was really cool is the like Echoes from the Warp. Effectively, he's like, well, my aspiring sorcerer is over here camping an objective. He has nothing better to do. I'm going to use four Cabal points, make a psychic action on a Warp Charge 3, and get an extra command point so that the next turn he can do something awesome. Like that, That's the type of like small benefit that, to me, speaks very well of like not never having a wasted resource, which is with how central camping primary objectives are in the current mission pack, being having small things like that, I think it's actually even more beneficial than having the big sweeping like I get plus two to my psychic test. Unless you're magnets, in which case having an effective plus five is awesome because even a crap yeah. roll turns into a big spike. Well, they they have other they have some other ones that are in there that are pretty good. I thought yeah. the one where you can just um, I, I'm pretty sure it's a it's a ritual where you just auto cast at the minimum value. Yes, uh, that's great because we get increasing smite costs, right? So mm-hmm. the retri- the minimum value for smite goes up, and with our bonuses to cast, uh, we technically only have to I guess. Reach a uh, 10, right? Uh, reach a 10, I guess, for the Super Smite, because it's 11 and up, right? Yeah. So that's what five five casts of Smite is all you got to get get mm-hmm. through. And with the number of psychers we've got, not not too difficult, as my cat says in the background. But, Indeed. She's a very yep. sad cat. Yep. Uh, she, she doesn't like smiting. Anyways. Yeah. Um, but the... really, there's a, there's a good ritual for pretty much anybody. Yeah. Like the Malevolent Charge one is like, an extra D three mortal wounds, effectively for free. Just here you go. <laughs> I thought you'd survive that one, did you? Yeah, I mean, there's there's all sorts of good stuff in there, and then you have the Infernal Master, which now that we've gotten a full picture of what he what he has to offer, I'm pretty sure we'll see him in many many lists. Um, on top of being a psyker, he's got this really good mechanic with with packs, so yeah. he has the ability to, you know. Do things like uh, I don't know, extending ranges for things, right? Uh, or um, 
you know, hey, he can just do mortal wounds on top of, you know, not having to cast a spell. Just here's a unit in 15, uh, you know, within 15 inches of him. Just take D3 mortal wounds, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought the biggest one is being able to shut down Overwatch of all of them. Yeah, capering imps, uh, not only just on Overwatch, but also prevents people from benefiting from cover. Yep. Um, which And that, they can't set, def- to set to defend either, which also yeah. is really good. And the thing about that is going to be that that's going to be the kind of thing that when you're, when you're designing your list to take on all sorts of armies, it's the kind of thing like, I have that in my list because I'm going to fight Tau or I'm going to fight somebody who is going to be able to overwatch me you know, really bad, or we're playing at Lone Star Open and everything's got heavy cover and everybody's setting to defend everywhere. So, nope, guess what? You can't do that against me. I mean, that that would have been really, really good to have. Oh, and the the other thing I think, so you're going to have Capery Mimps. I think the other thing you'll see a lot of is Malefic Maelstrom. Um, You basically just gain a command point. And so that now makes it so that you have a reliable way without having to take a stratagem or, or a relic, sorry, not having to take a relic. You're just generating command, two command points, theoretically, a turn. Yeah, I think you mean Diabolic Savant, which is a cabal, uh, additional cabal point. He, they don't, he doesn't get any ability to uh, generate CP. Jeez. Uh, it's like you didn't even read the codex. I didn't actually because I don't actually have the codex yet. So that's what? how that kind of crap happens. You need to practice your prognostication, sir. I know. Um, as uh, Dave alluded to earlier, you can now give aspiring sorcerers a select collection of relics for one CP. Which It's nice. I, it's nice. I say. I think you'll actually see uh, um, people use that in like low points games, um, yeah. where you like every model is like really counts. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's right. I, I also think you could. Um, I think one of the options is you can take the uh, the flamer staff. Yeah. Uh, what is it called? The uh, the in incandium. Incandium or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Basically, it's just it takes your uh, force staff, I think, and it just turns it into a flamer. That so, also, yeah, this works like a flamer. force staff. Yeah, it is a heavy flamer that is also a force staff. That's fantastic. It's beautiful. Yeah. So you're taking that in your squad that already has like nine other dudes with fl- the t- now 12 inch Viagra to flamers. So you're basically, you've got a whole 10 man blob of flamers that all of them are just ready to go. Yep. Infiltrate them right up the table. Like you can still and uh, go to town. Yeah. Though it is important to note that the risen river K is only once game which wasn't like that previously i don't remember yes it was yes it was it was it was once per game but it is now two cp rather than one cp before i think that's fair it's a very good stratagem yeah yeah that that seems fair to me um speaking of relics here so the handful of ones that really stick out to me obviously they renamed the dark matter crystal now it's umbra something relic right they also nerfed it yeah, they, they restricted what what I think could use 
use it, right? So, so it's it was infantry, infantry or the bear. But they, right? they, yeah. Um, but they reduced the range on it, and they also made it happen in the command phase. Well, but that's not to me. That's not necessarily a nerf, though. Yeah, it is because I mean, so there are plenty of times. It's like, okay, I need to dark nether crystal this guy way over there, and so the reduced range means that you have to effectively you could do your movement and then do yeah 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 yeah. yeah. you have to pre-plan a whole lot and if your opponent is savvy they're like no i don't need you teleporting those guys over there right now so effectively it it yeah becomes much more of a like early game thing than a like end of the game i'm gonna dark matter crystal my 10 man unit of rubrics over to that objective over there i win yeah that i can see what you're saying there um but in any ways, I mean, effectively or mechanically, you can still do what you need to do. The process is just a little bit more restrictive, right? Yeah. Um, Sears Bane is better, but not that big. So Dark Matter Crystal essentially still exists. Helm of the Third Eye is now Helm of Demon's Eye because for whatever reason, we had to go through and just rename a lot of this stuff. You know, like Gaze of... Gaze of uh, or Infernal Gaze is now Gaze of Hate. And Gaze of Fate, we don't have anymore. So, you know, it, it's a bunch of weird renaming things that happened. Um, there's the one relic that everybody is just going to just, I, I don't know what they were thinking with this with the Thurdergeier or Thridergeier or whatever it is. Thridergeier. Yeah. yeah I, I'm going to get scolded by, you know, our listeners on, on pronouncing that thing. Uh, that thing is actually very, very usable because you, you essentially have a dude on a, on a disc that can advance and charge. Um, you can warp time them up. You can juice them up with all sorts of relics or whatever to make them, you know, make them really, really good in combat. Um, but the key is that he can consolidate after he's done fighting up to six inches, and he is not bound by the normal rules of consolidating where he needs to get to the nearest enemy. And what that essentially means is you can charge something, fight with it, consolidate out of combat, and not get swung back at. Yeah, he's also able to fall back, kind of cast psychic powers. So yes. if you really, really want to just be a cheeky butthole, you can give him the warlord trait that allows them to fall back six inches whenever he's charged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just nope, 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 <laughs> nope. <laughs> Hold still. Well, can that? I thought that would had to go. Does that? Sorry. Does that other one have to go on infantry, or is it possible to go on a dude on a disc of zinch? Oh yeah, called a prophecy. Yeah, it's just the warlord trait for them. It's just super maneuverable exalted sorcerer. <laughs> you gonna gonna charge me? Nope. Gonna charge me? Nope. And then you can cast the psychic power on him. That basically, even though he's uh, the closest model or whatever it is, like because he's within a psyker, he can't be targeted by ranged weapons. Mm. Or you can cast that power. The I forget what it is, but yeah, that would be pretty funny. Yeah. Just jack that guy up and just make him this big ball of nope can't hit me nope can't hit me <laughs> let's see other thing the relics that are actually pretty decent the orrery is i think this belongs good? i think this belongs in your list man if you're taking yeah. cult of knowledge this belongs in there because your forge fiend maybe you take a second forge fiend and mm-hmm. you know you can put a guy back there uh, you know think about this there is the so. there you do have the ability to give the same model two relics because you can do you you can use the legion command upgrade and then you could give this to him as either the default one or spend a cp for it now yeah 
you're giving what the what the Aurea do is doing is essentially just giving you the ability to ignore modifiers to ballistic skill, weapon skill, damage modifiers, roll modifiers. It's basically everything except for transhuman. So because it's I, not I have a modifier. A, a sad thing for you. What's that? It only affects core units. Oh, and the Force Fiends are not core, are they? They are not core. Well, I guess you're going to have to take some damn Hellbrutes or some Contempt of Dreadnoughts. Oh, man. Hellbrutes are actually pretty awesome now. They yeah. are pretty awesome. They finally got the minus one damage thing. It's like, oh, yeah. You could probably take three Hellbrutes with Plasmas and a Fist on the... Uh, I guess Plasma Fist or Plasma Missile, however you want to do it. And yeah. uh, you, you can effectively do this. But you're ignoring any of the ballistic modifiers, right? Or, or any of the modifiers that we went through. So things like Death Guards, you know, Disgusting Resilience, you've just taken that out of the game now. Yep. The new uh, Sisters mini Gundams. Yep. So it's only on one unit. However, there's some combos here. So first of all, you've got this on your... You have to be within six inches of the bearer of the relic to do it. So you've yeah. got a little Death Star you've got, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you also, if you're Cult of Knowledge, like your, your guy is, or your army is, um, you have your, your Legion power, which lets you reroll wounds of one. Yep. And if this is on an Exalted Sorcerer, you have the ability to reroll hits of one for core units. So now you're actually stacking these things on top of each other. And yep. then what's, what gets even better is, okay, if, you're, if, you're, um, if you've got this relic on your Exalted Sorcerer, I think what you do is you then potentially, if you're Cult of Knowledge, add the um, the umbra, Umbralithic Crystal or the Dark Matter Crystal to it. And what that lets you do is when you've got your big blob of Terminators, or maybe it's a small blob of Terminators that are coming in from Deep Strike, well, you have the ability to reposition your Exalted Sorcerer over to where he needs to be so that now he can give that benefit to the, the Terminator Sorcerers when they go into charge. So I think you can do some really cool stuff like that. Um, lots of lots of just stacking combos where you can get stuff working pretty good. But that that seems pretty good. Um, you know, not. I, I guess the core bit of it probably reduces a bit. Like I could see three Volkite Contemptors being pretty pretty mean in that setup where you're just popping mortal wounds left and right. Uh, but sure. you know that. It's okay. I don't. I don't think there's any combo in there that's going to be so ridiculously broken that it's, you know, it, it's like this amazing Death Star essentially, like what Admech have, right? Yeah. So definitely has has some use though, and I'll probably wind up taking that as one of my relics. Now that there's actually a good selection of relics to take. <laughs> it's just one of those things that's just too good to pass up, though, right? Yeah. Like the ability to just ignore ignore those modifiers which are everywhere now yeah. really really so good there's actually one really good relic that i'm just like kind of surprised that they included it the prism of echoes mm-hmm. doubles the range on blessing psychic powers mm-hmm. like that that's solid yeah yep the, so you oh. so you take that on some sorcerer you throw you throw the what is it uh, thrall or like loyal thrall or whatever it is the the upgrade on it. So now you have a guy that can sit in the backfield. Um, he can sat. I think he can shoot and it, it's he can cast psychic powers and take one 
to cast one power and take a psychic action. Right. So, so let's say you want to have him in the backfield and you want to have him do a buff. Well, you can put a good buff on him that you want to apply to something and just have him sit back. And there you go. He, he applies a blessing and can also take an action on top of it. And that's yeah. pretty good. And then he can sit way in the back. The, the, the relic just extends the range. Uh, so you can almost reach the whole board, chances are. Yeah. So it's pretty good. Uh, I will say, another combo you've got in here. Um, conniving Plate. Uh, <laughs> this, this on a Demon Prince gets really scary. So you throw this on a Demon Prince and you've got a two-up save on the Demon Prince and you're having all of the incoming attacks uh, from any, any model, basically, that wants to attack your Demon Prince can only allocate up to half of its close combat attacks, which is huge when you think about models that, you know, have these really scary attacks that are going to be sweeping at it. This is the best way to mitigate how much damage is incoming. But it gets even better in the fact that you can, uh, I believe there is a way for you to give it a Warlord trait, which is Undying Form, which now you're reducing damage by one. So even the damage you are taking is being reduced. You've got a two-up save. You've got a four-up invuln built in. That's a meaty, scary demon prince to be fighting. Uh, aside from that, Warp Weave Mantle is pretty funny, I think. Um, Mike, you've got like a battle psyker that's running up the board and someone's like, okay, I'm running in and I've got a three-inch charge, but hey, go ahead and roll your charge. And yeah, I rolled an 11. Ha <laughs> that always happens. Well, sorry, you, you just failed your charge. Yeah, it also makes you... Uh... <laughs> gives you protection against like people just deep striking in a squad of like blood letters and yeah. charging in. It's like, yeah, Nope, sorry. You can't do that right now. It's like, yeah, what? Yeah. Well, it kind of does because it's an unmodified charge roll of nine plus. Yeah. So if they roll a modified nine, you know, uh, like if they sure. roll low, like a six or seven, yeah, it really is protecting you from those big charges essentially. Yeah. But it's also a probability thing where you're taking a range of roles just completely out of the equation. Like if you, yeah. even if it's a small charge, if they have to roll the charge. So you, you're taking a possibility that they just flood it because they rolled too big. And that mm -hmm. happens to me all the time where it's like, okay, it's a, it's a late charge in the game. I roll just cause it's like, okay, I could roll double ones here. Right. And I roll an 11 or something like that. I needed three inches. It's kind of like those scenarios where it's really funny where you just, okay, I guess I needed that earlier for a different charge, but that will now actually fail in the reverse when it's someone else doing that, which yeah. I think is hilarious. So. Uh, aside from that, uh, the Chatterfowl one th seems okay. So the only use case I can see for the Chatterfowl is putting it on like a a sorcerer you have kitted out as an assassin. Yes. And just charges into characters. They lose a D3 to fight back and hope for the best. Um, of the relics here, I think it's actually probably the weakest one. Um, just because it, finding uses for will be difficult yeah yeah i guess uh I, even hunting down really big stuff like if you i i guess you could you could hypothetically throw it on a demon prince maybe nope infantry only oh no you can't 
Yeah. Never no, mind. No, if you could put if you could put this on a demon prince, yeah, it gets really it interesting, would be doesn't it? Awesome. Yeah. But uh, because it's infantry only, it's just like, well, I guess I'm gonna put that on a terminator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other the other downside to it is you also you that D three you also subtract that from your psychic tests, right? Uh, of Am that I reading model. that? Is that the target model? Yeah, that's the target. Okay, model. so it's not you that reduces. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, you, yeah. you just like you you throw your chattering like paradoxical yeah. chicken yeah. at the opponent. They're so <laughs> distracted that they can't fight back properly, and so you just start beating them over the head with your force yeah. staff, and hope that they die. <laughs> yeah, I guess like your Celestine or your. I don't know what yeah. else. I mean, how Mortarian throwing that Mortarian would be pretty funny. Yeah, the fact that this thing works on uh, Mortarian or knights or anything like big stuff is immensely amusing to me. Here's what's I you know there could be some use cases here. So take like a knight for example. Yeah. You don't have to charge in. You just have to get within three. And at yeah. the start of the fight phase, all you have to do is just say, okay, your knight now is reduced by D3 for its ballistic skill and you know weapon, weapon skill, skill until the next fight phase. So yeah. even if your guy dies uh, or even if like, you know, let's say I charge in with a bunch of other stuff and that guy just sits there, like there is some use to that, that you could run him by and all he does is like wave his chicken at the thing and it's like, <laughs> you can't do anything. Sure. And something else kills him, you know? And it neuters them for the following turn, but I, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of grasping at that point. Yeah. The, the, like I said, there's, there are use cases for it, but you're going to have to try really hard to actually like get your money's worth out of it. Yep. Well, we could go on and on. I mean, I think we've gone, we don't have to go through everything. Um, you know, there's psychic powers that we'll yeah. be covering on the, the another episode. The are kind of weird though. Yeah. The fact that they effectively, so we had access effectively to, to three disciplines previously, which gave us 18 powers plus. Yeah. Yep. Now, effectively, what they, they seem to have done, I keep using that word, is could, like ripped, um, what was it? Change? Or is it Siege? The demon one in half and like gave half of it to Change and half of it to Hereticus and then renamed everything. Yeah. It's like, okay. It's the great rift of the psychic powers. Yeah. I, I don't really understand the point of it because everybody gets both. Yep. And there's nothing stopping you from taking from both. So who cares? I guess it allows them to actually generate powers. I think just having that number of powers and when you, the fact that they want to use the D the D 30 or the D three, three system for picking stuff, it makes sense to me. I mean, sure. make nine, nine's a natural number there and each, each tree with nine, you know, it's Zinchi and everything. So, yeah. I mean, just broad strokes on psychic powers. Most of the stuff is there. They they've upgraded some stuff like Zinch's firestorm. Um, you know, you're, the usual cast of stuff like Glamour, Weaver, Warp Time, um, you know, all those things are there. Your healing spell is there. All the stuff you're used to being able to do from psychic powers is there. Um, 
And then we've got some other ones that are in there that are pretty good. Like Baleful Devotion comes to mind as something that could be really, really good. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But aside, but aside from that, I, I mean, you, we can theorize on a lot of these powers and we can probably jump into them a little more in a future episode. But in general, like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like blown away by the psychic powers. I'm kind of like, that was expected. And, yeah. you know, I expected to have a lot of great powers in there. It's good. So my expectation was met. And that's, that's that. I mean, I, I just kind of look at that and say, okay, my tools are my tools that I need in the toolbox are there. I'm focusing on the rest of the stuff, right? Like I know I can go here and I can pick my powers and get the stuff that I want after I've solidified my army. It's kind of like, I yeah. now I know what powers I need to put and where. Mm -hmm. So uh, good to see that Crusade's going to get a bunch of rules, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a big Crusade player, but maybe you can um, in the future here take us through that a little bit. Um, I will admit I have not read through the Crusade rules since I figured <laughs> we will not be discussing it in this first uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. And I, I think that's not what we're going to be covering tonight. But uh, yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, the rituals are straightforward. The, you know, the the psychic powers are pretty straightforward. We've got a lot of relics. We've got a lot of stratagems. Um, we'll get into all that stuff later when we're talking about list design and stuff like that. Um, you know, nothing to me really sticks out as stuff that's kind of like, this is really bad or this is really good. We, we pretty much are just getting a lot of the stuff a lot of our other armies have been getting, we're getting now. Yeah. Um, you know, options like Warlord traits, relics, you know, we're basically just getting the mechanisms that have become standard in ninth edition. Um, pretty much the bad stratagems that we have are, are all gone. Uh, Infernal bolts. Goodbye. We, you're not going to be missed. Yeah, well, um, the big thing is that all the bolt <laughs> weapons in this codex pretty much already got AP2 anyways. And even if they don't Except have AP2, we have a stratagem that allows you to boost them by one. So you yep. could make something AP1. You could get it to AP2 if you wanted to. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, the heavy bolter is the only weapon to do, get the uh, Infernal bolt treatment. Yep. Yep. And that's okay. That makes sense. Um, data sheets wise, I, I guess Aramon is probably one of the big things changed. Uh, he rerolls psychic powers. He, he's got his built in plus one to cast already still keeps his four up, uh, in bone save. Um, basically, uh, he rerolls ones just like an exalted sorcerer. So he, in all, in all intents and purposes, he is an exalted sorcerer, but the difference is he gets to reroll psychic tests and deny the witch tests, right? Yeah. Or just, no, so, psychic tests. Yeah. He also gets to cast and deny more powers because the regular exalted sorcerer is cast to deny one still. Correct. Although yes. for, for 125, you can Rahadi an exalted sorcerer and now he can cast three. Yeah, so, but he can still only deny one, whereas Aramon gets both for three. That's fair. That's fair. Which is something Pretty in good. his favor. Um, however, one thing to keep in mind is that Armand really shouldn't be your warlord um, because he does janky stuff with the sorcerer and Terminator sorcerer and the cult relics, I think. They also did something kind of sneaky with Aramon, I think. One second. Did I miss this before? Yeah, he gained an extra wound. He gained an extra wound, so he's now six wounds rather than five. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I pretty think cool. 
He's still worthwhile. I don't necessarily think he's auto take anymore. No. Um, just because of, again, the changes that they've made to the culture credits around him. Um, but if you want somebody to just dish out psychic powers like a madman and then prevent your opponent from doing that, Aramon's a pretty good bet. If his, if his, I will say this, if his Arc Sorcerer of Zinch power let him re-roll Deny the Witch Tests, that would be a much different story. Because sure. now he effectively gets to re-roll against Denying and becomes a much more dominant piece that you can control armies like Eldar, um, mirror matches against other other armies. It just becomes a little bit of a different dynamic there but the fact that he's gone up 60 points from what he used to be um that's a hard pill to swallow that's Is it 60 i thought it was like 40 well uh so over an exalted sorcerer sorry he's mm. 60 points over an exalted sorcerer yeah. is what i'm trying to say so yeah. that's a hard pill to swallow especially when aramon doesn't unlock another sorcerer slot so if you're taking an exalted sorcerer, you're actually it's kind of like a two for two for one deal here, where you don't just get an exalted sorcerer, you unlock another sorcerer that you can bring along, and seeing that HQ units that we have in this army are so good, that's a huge thing. Like you want to basically pack those things into your list. Look, when you're playing mission or or uh, match play missions or chapter approved missions, you're going to be giving up. Or the abhor the witch. You're going to be giving up things like headhunter. That that in our army, that's just something that you can't really design. Like try to deny those points for that that much. Um, you, I mean, you can you can do that, but I think you're giving up on what the strengths of the army really are. Yeah. So, anyways, I I, I think that's kind of the struggle now with Aramon. I think he goes from he was an auto take to now it's kind of the inverse that. Unless there's a really good reason to opt to bring him in, I don't think he makes most of the lists now. I think you have yeah. better options. And we're, I think most people will find that as they're working on their lists, at, at least what I have found is that the army is very difficult to fit what you want into it now. Very difficult yeah. versus 8th edition where you know, things were cheaper. You, you're feeling the point pinch now with things where, oh God, I only have say 25 rubric Marines on my list. Sure. I, I feel like I don't have that many bodies, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that is the downside of getting the extra wound uh, finally is that we have to pay for it. Um, one thing I found sort of amusing is that they did change the, well, I should say they removed uh, Hateful Assault and Death to the False Emperor. Uh, and but those also, are built into the profiles now, so it's kind well, of like a... Sort of. So the Hateful Assault is, because they actually just gave everyone else an extra attack. But Death to the False Emperor is just gone. Um, granted, they gave everyone yeah. uh, the extra attack, the extra wound, so eh. Uh, and they also, I think they changed uh, Malicious Follies. So vehicles no longer benefit from it. Uh, that's been a thing for a long time, by the way. Has it? Yeah. Well, it's what you get for playing Harlequins. Attention. I'm sorry. I, I like playing colorful arms. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Demon Prince pretty much unchanged. I mean, pretty much the same, right? I mean, yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing too big there. Um, Infernal Master, we've talked about. He's he's 
a psyker he unlocks your packs he's like our chaplain you're going to be taking him he has a five up in bone nothing too scary in combat he's just basically a sorcerer um and again exalted sorcerer sorcerer terminated sorcerer uh nothing surprising there um there's nothing really too big we've talked about the combi weapons i think the only thing really pointing out your terminator sorcerer can take uh some some versions of the inferno combi melta inferno combi plasma you know hey, stuff he like that force axe and he can take a force axe that's pretty cool yeah, yeah i i agree that's pretty cool um it means i now have two <laughs> terminator yep. sorcerers it's very exciting <laughs> yep um you know, cultists, Angors, we covered. Rubric Marines, we covered. Hellbrutes, pretty much, you know, you talked about how they've got minus one to damage now. It's yeah. great. Uh, their Frenzy is pretty good. Um, yeah, it's you know, actually usable now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Although, yeah, it's you just have to take a wound, right? And that's it? Yeah, once you've taken one wound, you now reroll wounds for the rest of the game until it dies. Yep. Um, Scarab Occult Terminator is probably the biggest upgrade in the, in the Codex, I would say. Um, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they got the upgrade to their swords that they needed, um, that two damage plus one strength still, you know, minus three, like four swords or <clears throat> sorry, power swords. Um, they're going to, they're going to hit much better in close combat. Uh, they still have the amazing guns that they have. Uh, you can boost them up now to five attacks total when you're shooting with the infernal fusillade. Um, so it's no longer a, you know, double the shots so you're not like just Eight, eight shots essentially um but uh that's okay you know it's still it's still good um and they're ob- objective secure yeah so oh, that's we actually when we were talking about stratagems earlier uh we completely missed over the sorry for one yeah yeah so they improved <laughs> the soul well first of all they improved the soul reaper cannon which is great yeah. I think they pointed that out in one of the Warhammer articles so I, I don't did. think that's a surprise to anybody but the fact that you can now what Ex- yeah, I double think you tap. Ex- double the, tap with them. Yeah. The Soul Reaper cannon specifically against units that have 11 models or more. Yep. So against a horde of orcs, you're now getting 10 shots out of the Soul Reaper cannon, which is yep. amazing. That's really good. Really, really good. Um, Zangor Shaman pretty much unchanged. There is, there is some. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although you do have at least there's a, what, a. Um, I think there's a upgrade form or a, yeah, um, a, relic, a relic form that allows yeah. them to know two powers. Yeah. Yeah. Although the, I guess the nice thing about him, he's the only non HQ psyker, like psyker character that we could sure. take. That's like a full blown, full blown psyker that we have. So um, I guess that that's something worth, worth mentioning. Although I think you're probably going to be cramming as many Scarab occult squads in as you can. Um, you know, maybe 10 mans and, and other stuff, but yeah, I mean, he's, I'm sure you can find purposes for him. I know a lot of people like to use him for psychic ritual because you can warp time him up pretty quick and he can just get in there and get that done. Um, enlightened, Um, unfortunately. So they're actually a bit of a weird case though, because the way they changed the bows so that they are effectively snipers. Um, so against some targets, a like they're actually not terrible uh, if you use the great pa- uh, fake caster great bones to like snipe out soft characters. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take them, but I'm, that is one thing that come to mind is it, 
there are some armies that have soft characters like um, Hospitallers for Sisters of Battle. Uh, Zengor and Lightning would actually be pretty good at dealing with those. Yeah, and you know, I think Kalexis Assassin comes to mind uh, oh, because yeah. you know he changes your ballistic skill to six, but they don't care because you're always hitting on twos. Yeah. And on a and a six to hit was automatic automatic wounds. So, you know, it's look. I get it. The fact that it's just one damage. It's AP one and it's assault one. You're not you're not doing anything that's super crazy here. But it's the kind of thing where you can say, look, I can I can still assault them and I can still lock lock the dude up or you know I can I can hit him with a smite or something like that and knock wounds off and hey I've only got to get one more one more wound off them they can sweep in and finish something up yeah I I just don't know that it's that great I mean it's a 30 inch range on the thing is kind of a nice side thing but I, I, I just don't the for the points ever, yeah it's, that's the the use case I would have if I were to take them you're really just you're you're kind of trying to make an excuse for them, right? It's not necessarily yeah. like there's a good reason to bring them. It's more I brought them, they look cool. That's hey, my excuse for it, hey, right? They're one of two fast attack choices available to me. <laughs> yeah, so- and I'd like to remind you that the second fastest choice, uh, fast attack choice, is has only a movement of seven inches. So they are blazing know. fast. I mean, it's got to be like the slowest fast attack in the game. So. <laughs> Uh, uh, chaos spawn still yeah. pretty good. Yep, still good. Pretty much unchanged. Um, they still have pretty much their same powers, if I remember right. And uh, yep. yeah, the, still the stratagem exists, which is really good. I'm glad to see that that stuck because that's yeah, what really makes them four up and one save now. Yep. Um, they are unfortunately not Arcana Astartes, so they oh, do right. not. They do not get a five plus plus, but. You can always give them Weaver of Fates if you've yep. got a squad of five and now they've got a four up in bolt. Not bad, right? Yeah, nothing to complain about. Uh, rhinos, I think, are going to be stars because they now get a five plus in bolt. They do. Uh, nothing more to really say about that other than the fact that we already said they've got Infernal Combi Bolters everywhere and that's fantastic. Uh, Praise be to each. Let's get to the one that I am most happy about, and that's oh, Vortex Beast, because I have three of them, and I'm ready to put them on the table. Um, yeah, I, I knew you were going to bring this up. I'm, I'm going to start with the thing that I think a lot of people are overlooking. It blows up on fours now. Yes. Yes, it does. That is so amazing. So it's also a monster, which means in Cult of Duplicity, you can jump them across the table. Yep. So here's a Mutalith Vortex Beast turn one. Here's another one turn two. Hey, I got another one coming at you turn three. And each time they get in there, they're blowing up on fours and doing more mortal wounds. And once they're up there, you can, you can move them where you need to. And then in the shooting phase, all their powers activate and you can start doing mortal wounds left and right. I think they're going to be great. Uh, they're yeah. T7. They've got a five up in Volm. They, their attacks got improved. They're basically just giant beat sticks that there's all sorts of great uh, stratagems for too, where you can just, you need to get healed, run up next to it and you can get healed. That's great. And he heals D three wounds now instead of one. It's just, it's fantastic. It's like everything I wanted changed. It got changed. They made his powers actually usable. They're no longer random. He's just like, I want to do this. I want to do this. Yes. Um, Goes a long way towards actually making, 
the the vortex beast a solid choice. Um, I think it's a a good direction that they've ta- taken them. And the the range on the powers are eighteen, eighteen, oh. and twenty four. Um, there's one for nine, uh, but that's more of the one like rolling for each you know unit within within range. Yeah, so, each enemy unit within nine. It's like okay, well, uh, yep, whoo, yep. Yeah, but I mean, you have stuff like uh, Beam of Unreality, which is great. Um, you know, stuff that has good range now. So even the stuff like in your backfield has the ability to like move and advance. Because um, I believe it can still advance. Yeah, it can advance and do these powers. So you you can get in range of stuff and just get these powers off. It's it's fantastic. And you know, okay, if you got a way to turn and keep them obscured, cool, no problem. They can be yep. obscured. Um, yeah, the uh, Chaos Vindicator actually came out of this pretty good shape too. It's a uh, you can give it T eight five up invuln save. Yep, uh, two up save. <laughs> right. And what's the uh, what's the thing with the seed shield on that? Each time yeah. a ranged attack is allocated, add one to the armor save. Am I yep. reading that right? So yep. So two up, five up, up with on T eight chassis. That's that's about as five as you're gonna get. That I. I just th- I was just gonna say that is um, you know if I'm looking at if I'm looking at vehicles I shouldn't be overlooking that thing because I know a lot of people might say hey predators are good all of a sudden but yeah I don't know I think the vindicator might be pretty damn good because the demolisher cannon I just I mean we just had Mark Whitaker on and he was saying how the demolisher cannons hey don't forget the fact that they've been upgraded to D6 now sure and that's D6 um, strength ten shots blast. Um, he was um, using the uh, line bombardment. bombardment, which we lost. Um, so it was, he I, was I think using it. Yep, that, yeah, that's yeah. true. I, I think it's it's a it's a good inclusion though, um, and especially with the, the seed shield. If you're going to buy this, if you're going to bring this thing, give it the shield because uh, yep. that is amazing. Yep, that is definitely worth yep. the uh, right worth the price of admission there. Um, yep. Even the land raider. I think there is a very good case to make for the Land Raider because it essentially already has what the Vindicator has. T-up, two-up save, five-up invuln. Um, yeah, not as cheap as the... the points. <laughs> and, not, and not quite. I mean, you, you got 16 wounds versus, what, 11, so you're getting five more wounds. Yeah, you're probably paying a lot of those points for the for all the last cannons on the thing, right? You got two twin yeah. last cannons on the sides. And it's pricey. And the twin heavy bolter. It's expensive. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, the here's my thing with the, twi- the Chaos Land Raider. There is only a very small collection of weapons in the entire game that will ever make your 2-plus save worse than a 5-plus invulnerable save. So, I, I actually feel that of all of the, the vehicles in the Codex, it actually benefited the least. From the new invuln save, mm-hmm. on yeah, because oh, you're saying effectively AP three is the you're talking having to have AP four, yeah, yeah. So I mean AP four, that's like some night weapon, like the night close combat weapon. I think is AP four. The mm-hmm. lances off of Eldar. Um, I, I assume that. Ashtamilla, I mean, Admech have some AP4 thing, like maybe their spider tanks do. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but it's still nice to have. And I think that the so one thing I have noticed about the the current edition is because the maps have gotten smaller, the extra disembarkation range after being shielded from being shot at turn one from your more or less disposable vehicles actually makes transports very valuable, even for armies that don't really care about transports normally, like Harlequins. Uh, And so I I think you could make an argument for a Land Raider, uh, but you need to have a very like solid like this is why I'm bringing this, and without that, um, it's still iffy for me. It does get smokescreen now, which is nice. Yep. So you, and uh, the smokescreen is much improved, where now yes. you just spend a CP and that unit can, gets minus one, so you don't have to not fire your weapons and you don't have to pop it on everything. You can basically just wait until your unit gets targeted and you're good to go. Yep. I'm glad that the dog, the dogs of the false emperor finally saw fit to share <laughs> their smoke canisters. And while we're, while we're at other stuff that was weird, <laughs> uh, just a quick rewind on stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, we glossed over the fact that rubric Marines now move six inches and Scarabacult Terminators oh, move yeah. five inches just flat. So well, there's no more like four inches for the Terminators five inches for rubric marines yeah. now they're actually moving like regular marines so i think part of what that where that would have had to have come from is the fact that the aspiring sorcerer always had proper like six inches of movement right and so you had this weird scenario where your aspiring sorcerer could like technically get ahead right. of his unit and now this, you know what <laughs> the extra inch doesn't matter just give it to him it's yeah it was a it was a very annoying little rule that you had to try and follow that didn't really yeah. make a difference in any game for that matter so it's nice to just be on even footing now you know everybody's used to six inch movement for their for their units anyways so yep. um so probably your favorite part the demon engines all yep. of them get the same to kind the, of uh, red-headed stepchild of the codex <laughs> so they all they engines, all got the same ones right they yeah, all get they, the same they, upgrade yeah, they all got buffed to Weapon Skill and Ballistic Skill 3+, which is amazing. However, we did lose uh, Demon Forge, and they already have a 5 of Infinite Save. So, sort of a... Uh, and they're not core. Yay, and they're not core. So it's good, but it could be better. Um, but, so the Defiler, we knew what we were going to get going in, because we share that with the... Death Guard. Um, I love the new Defiler. I, I've always loved the Defiler. It's a great kit, and it's actually serves a pretty good role on the battlefield, I feel. The Mauler Fiend, I kind of don't know what to do with it. It's better than it used to be. Uh, actually, the Mauler Fiend Fists now deal D3 plus 3 damage, which means that you just... Oh, and the Magna Cutters always deal D6 plus 2. It's just like if you need a Malay can opener, he's your guy in a shooting psychic codex. However, but the problem there, you lost your delivery mechanism with yep. it. So you can no longer warp time him. You well, yeah, you can't warp time him, and you can't even jump him with uh, the duplicity power either, because duplicity has been locked down to monster and infantry. Yep. So I think the Mollerfiend sort of, as much as he does way more reliable, like reliable damage, I think actually suffers um, mm-hmm. in the new codex. But the Forge Fiend, my god, the Forge Fiend. So 
the codex is having read through it a few times now with the, the, the leaks that we have. The Forge Fiend wins big in this codex. It, the, the loss of Demon Forge hurts somewhat, but the to me, the new Thousands of Codex can be played one of two ways. You can either go big into I am like cabal, cabalistic rituals, lots of psychic stuff, and just like I am the god of hellfire like style army of just mm-hmm. dealing so many mortal wounds and controlling the battlefield by like, that guy can't move. Period. Like, uh, Or and I don't think this is going to be as popular of a play style, but we have the tools for it, which I find really interesting, is you can play Thousand Suns as a pure shooting army. With, it just happens to have psychic powers. Mm-hmm. So this effectively what it does, we have multiple methods of improving the strength of our shooting, improving the AP of our shooting. We have ways to allow us to remove cover and just Reroll wounds, reroll like, pluses to hit. It's just, we have all these tools that other armies like Eldar and I think mostly Eldar um, have had forever to really just lay on the pain in the shooting phase. And the Forge Fiend, with the fact that they've buffed the Ectoplasm Cannon to be flat damage three Amazing. with Blast at AP minus three. And you can take three of those. Means that your Death Guard opponent, well, now you're going to kill a whole bunch of Terminators. <laughs> um, actually, Death Guard are a bad, bad uh, example because they have minus one damage. But the, that. Uh, Admech. Ad, Admech, yeah, it they, they kills the piss out of them. Um, but uh, Dark Angels. Kills, kills them oh, dead. Yeah. Anything with three wounds, like this thing's munches. Yep. Uh, and or if you want to kill light, more lightly armored fares, so like normal uh, space marines or just anything that there's a lot of them, uh, the Hades autocannon got one better AP, which you can mm-hmm. then increase to AP minus three with for like one CP, as long as it's a nearby sorcerer, which is going to be a nearby sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Um, that and the fact that it's still a pretty tough demon engine um, means that you're going to get your points out of it. Yeah, I, you, you pretty much said everything. I mean, there's there's really nothing not to like about the Forge Fiends right now. They are a great platform, um, yeah. probably at the top of the list right now for, for stuff to throw in into your army. Um, I have one thing that's better. One thing yeah. that's just like, oh my God, what the hell do they do? We're going to get to it. Uh, the Helldrake? Helldrake. Because that's where I was going next. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. The, the Helldrake's amazing because it's now an aircraft. So he's minus one to hit. He can't be charged either uh, unless something flies. So that's that's restricting a lot of stuff. Um, the Baleflamer got better. The Baleflamer got a way better because now it's Assault 2D3. Uh, oh. So now you're going you're gonna to have a very low floor on the amount of shots you – or a very high floor on the amount of shots you put out. Yeah. You can advance uh, with it and shoot. You can also advance and shoot, um, but you can also charge stuff too, uh, yep. as long as it flies. So you can basically go into their, you can use them as very effective move blocking tools early. Um, and I will say that 
again, in our discussion with Mark in our previous episode, I was using two Heldrakes and I think I went in a bit and how I used my Heldrakes to move block and to um, really put pressure on my opponent turn one. Um, I think at least having one in your list is definitely something that's worth thinking about. Yeah. So I, I've always hated the Hell Turkey, um, just on a very personal level. When this model first came out, it ruined so many games because it's just this uh, annoying thing. It flew around, you couldn't kill it. It would just would wipe out a squad a turn with its stupid torrent flamer. But mechanically, it is so good that, especially so like Admech, they have those stupid like ornithopter things. If you go first with the Heldrake, like <laughs> you're going to kill one of those first turn because it gets five attacks. Hitting yeah. on twos, wounding on threes with damage four. It's like, yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Die. That's what you're gonna do. Yeah. Wait yeah. a second. It's da- how did I miss this? How did? Oh, because it goes to damage four against aircraft. Against aircraft. That's amazing. Yeah. I completely missed that in this Heldrake clause because it used to be the these stupid derpy minus one D three damage on the Heldrake clause. Yeah, no, no, I, that, that's the, that, that was is the upgrade. amazing. That was like, oh my god, that's yes. awesome. Yes, you are um, exactly it can, right. It can go into hover mode still, so if you need it to camp an object, like take an objective or do anything like that, it can still do that. It's just. Oh, I mean, I even think of like those Eldar planes that are really annoying. Okay, here's my oh, yeah. three Heldrakes. Good luck. Yeah, it's like you'll kill all of those planes really quick. Man, I could yeah. see two of them easily in your list. Easy. Yeah, the, the Heldrake is amazing in, in the, the current codex. That is that is phenomenal. And isn't there, oh, not to mention the stratagem they added where, oh, by the way, because you flew over one of their units, here, oh, take yeah. D3 mortal wounds. while. Or if it's an aircraft, you'll uh, just flat three. Yeah, just flat three. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the, Hel- the, the Heldrake canal. Uh, if you don't include one, you are definitely like just hurting I have yourself. The second thought, I have to second second think what I was putting together for my list now. No, knowing that that that's yep. uh, really really dang good. Yep. So, see, chaos predators. They're still chaos predators. Nothing's yep. really changed here. And then Magnus. I mean, we we talked about Magnus. He you know, yeah. we talked about how he got his profile changed, and you know his. So the- they did so that's the thing. Everything they did is like it's exactly what we were asking for, yeah. but it's just the meta it effectively penalizes a single big thing. Yep, like even knights, you're like my entire army is big, stompy robots, just yep. they, they, they can't take a beating from some of the top tier lists, even some of the mid tier lists just make mockery of knights. Well, and yeah, Magnus suffers from a lot of the same yeah. issues. He can still be warp time, which is nice. I think. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure he can. Yeah. Yes. And he like he has the full chapter master bonuses, and he has all of this stuff that makes him really good. He gets plus three to cast when he's a full full wounds. Um. But it's gonna be a hard consideration of, like, do I want to take the risk? And I know I I personally uh, I I always gravitate towards the MSU. Um, And so I I will likely not be taking Magnus the Red, at least in the current environment that we're playing in. Yep. 
Well, that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, just wrapping it up on Magnus doing nothing wrong. Um, of course. So we're going to come back. We're going to do some more episodes here. Um, we've got a lot more to jump into. We've obviously going to start talking about list building, uh, stratagems, um, you know, concepts we can actually start putting together with the list. Obviously, if you're in our community, you're seeing us talking about this every day. Um, but, you know, Mike and I are going to probably do some some deeper dives on this. Uh, we're going to have Justin Curtis come on and um, talk to us a bit about like the playtesting with the list and the army, what he's seen, what he likes. Um, that's all coming up here in future episodes. So yeah. stay tuned and we will be back with another one. <laughs>